Uh, the first time I heard Jerry Bridges, it was in 1973, and he spoke in a motel in Emporia. He spoke on strategic prayer, and he likened that to uh, our armed forces. You know, we don't always act defensive with our armed forces, but we sometimes are very strategic in areas that we want to take in a war. We just don't wait for them to sit back and attack us. But our prayers are often the same. They're defensive prayers. Lord, help me out of this jam. Help me to do this. But these are strategic prayers that the Lord has asked for us to do. And they are related to the battle that we have. What are some ways we can enhance our prayer life? Strategic prayer is an offensive weapon. Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the fourth of six podcasts with Dr. Richard Spann, who spoke to us at our men's retreat in the spring of 2023. Today, Richard helps us understand some of the helps we can use as we pursue our love relationship with the Lord Jesus through prayer. I'd like to... um Yet again, some ideas from you all. What are some helps in prayer that you've experienced? What are some helps in prayer? We'll write some of those down. What has helped you in prayer? Yes. Yes, having someone else to pray with you. Yeah, right. Good. Schedule a time that you're going to do it. Good. Schedule a time. Right. Be faithful in scheduling a time. Yes, Steve. Having your wife remind you. Having your wife remind you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, they would be good at that. It's good. Or your granddaughter. Pardon? Or your granddaughter. Or your granddaughter, right. Good. Good. Yes. Uh, Break down the barrier and just do it like in anything you do. Okay. As you're going and as you're going through life. Good. Thank you. Other thoughts, yes. A discipline a pastor taught me was praying out loud, and even by yourself. You know, okay. Because I, I get really distracted when I'm just praying internally. Right. right. You start speaking it, and you can stay on track. And, you know, Good. Last longer than a minute. You know? Excellent. Good. Good. And then when you can't hear yourself, you've known you've fallen asleep. That's it. <laughs> I have been praying with a friend. I used to fly, play with Dick Borchard and go over to his house for 25 years. We'd pray every, every Wednesday afternoon. And I remember I was praying, I just fell asleep right down on the floor. <laughs> Dick, bless his heart, he just waited for me to wake up. Jane? I think another one help is listening. Is what? Listening? Yeah. Listening, good. Thank you. Well, let me proceed to some of these here because I want to look at some that uh, I jotted down. The Word of God really is a significant help to me. And I think we had on that first slide, just going through the promises that God has given us. I think that our prayer is consistent and related to our time with the Word of God. The two are really uh, compatible. If we, The more time we spend in the Word of God, I think it has a greater impact on our prayer. Uh, fellowship with other believers, and I do this uh, commonly, regularly, and I think their stories of how God has answered prayer for them, what prayer has been doing in their life, has been, been very important. Uh, the third one is simply rest. If I'm fatigued, I don't really uh, pray well. Imagine Elijah. I mean, he got he ran ahead of that chariot. He was probably running. 
30 miles an hour, 20, 30 miles an hour. Just a miraculous thing, but he, he was tired, but he was just exhausted. So he ran from Jezebel, probably maybe that fast, I don't know. But it was it was a strain on him. We need rest. We need margin, and this has been mentioned as well. If we have no margin in our lives, if we have been overcommitted in terms of our time, our relationship with others, the things that uh, we are doing, uh, we cannot pray. So we need, as we mentioned yesterday, to have that essential, necessary, good, delegate, eliminate, worked out in our lives so that we have that margin. And then uh, seeing the needs of others, seeing the needs of others. I think if we're open to uh, the needs of others as we see them, we are more likely to begin to pray for them and to spend our time with them. And finally, as we mentioned previously, the Holy Spirit. We need us, and then, and then to look at the practice of prayer. I like to look at that briefly. We need to set time for prayer. I have noticed some people who say, "Well, I don't really have a set time for prayer. I just pray as the Lord directs me throughout the day." And I found that if people do that, unless they have a set time, they very seldom get around to that time during the day. So I like to do that as early as I can. Psalm five three says, "My voice shalt thou hear in the morning." And I think ideally that's our best time before our day starts. Get up a little earlier, do that. Some mornings that's not uh, as easy as others, depending on our schedule or our work. But as soon as I can, I do that. Uh, Mark one thirty-five is a fascinating uh, verse, and I'll go through that. Uh, I went through that last night. That's an example of Jesus who very early in the morning got up went off to a lonely place. Uh, so that is an example of his life that we need to model. And again, Matthew 6.33, to set that first, to seek him first in our day. So we need the set time. We need a set pattern. Uh, if there's something between me and the Lord, it needs to be dealt with initially. Uh, often there's not, and you can go ahead to some other aspect of prayer. If there's any question, if there is, you can Pray Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Lord, is there anything that you want to correct, anything you want to point out today? And then Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And then finally, if there is something, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, and he will grant forgiveness. I think the most important thing to me, however, as I start the day, is adoration. And there's a song that we used to sing at Glen Airy uh, years ago. Uh, Father, I adore you. I love you. I lay my life before you. Father, I love you. Jesus, I adore you. I love you. I lay my life before you, my Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I adore you, I love you. I lay my life before you, Holy Spirit, I love you. I start my day off like that. I start by adore adoration, <clears throat> because if I don't, my, my day begins with negative thinking. Oh, I've got this to do, I've got this problem, I've got this to handle. How am I going to do that? But if I begin my day by proclaiming who He is, and really understanding that He is God and Lord of the universe and of my life, 
somehow my day just goes a lot better. And I can really honor him for who he is. So sometimes I begin with uh, God the Holy Spirit, sometimes God the Son, God the Father. But however you choose to do that, uh, there are some verses, Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. Uh, but we can praise him for who he is, for what he has done, that he cannot die, cannot lie, cannot be tempted, cannot tempt, cannot change, that he is, is everywhere in all of his creation. We live and move and have our being in him, and that he is uh, a holy, 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 eternally uh, and infinitely loving, uh, in charge of everything. So the more that we can clarify who he is, uh, the better our relationship with him or others go through our day. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ. I've got a few verses there that you can jot down and look at. Colossians 1, 15, and as we mentioned, the Philippians 2, 5 through 11 verse, and then our relationship to God, the Holy Spirit. And just praising the Holy Spirit, the fact that he has sealed us in Ephesians 4.13, talks about he has sealed us. He has given us the deposit guaranteeing what is to come, which is a home in heaven, not made with hands, 2 Corinthians 5. Ephesians 1.14 talks about the fact that he is a down payment, the earnest of our inheritance, like kind of like the wedding ring that you would give your wife, guaranteeing the fact that you will be married. There's a whole host of things, and typically, some mornings I like to spend up to a half an hour, if I have that time, just in adoration of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It just sets the tone for the whole day. I just just enjoy that time and treasure that time. Uh, we need, can I go backwards there? I did, I went backwards, okay. <laughs> Did I not? Okay. Oh, we need a set pattern. Okay, I'm not. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So the second thing is Thanksgiving, and I have uh, broken those down into spiritual blessings and material blessings just for uh, illustration. But the Lord loves to hear our tone of thankfulness. Uh, he, uh, he, he treasures us in a way that we just cannot understand. He wants us to enjoy all that He has created. He wants us to enjoy every day with Him. And He likes to hear from us. I have two grandsons that are 10 and 12. For the last four or five years, I've been picking them up from school Tuesday and Thursday, taking them to Freddy's and uh, taking them home, just spending some time with them. They're learning how to say thank you. They didn't for a while. But gradually, they're saying, thank you when I get them the fries, thank you when I get them the drink. And uh, just to hear, thank you so much from them, just makes me think, you know, I've pleased them. I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy that. But just the pleasure it gave me to hear them say, thank you. Not only that I was sure he was, that they enjoyed it, but they were developing into that relationship of being thankful. Uh, because I think being thankful is what God wants us to wants us to do in our lives. We can either live a promise oriented life, or we can live a problem oriented life. If we live a problem oriented life, we complain. 
we live a promise-oriented life, we give thanks. And this is what God wants, wants for us. And we can give thanks for, thanks be to God who giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and there's another example there, I think, of, of 2 Corinthians 2.14, always leads us in triumph in every place we go. So many things spiritually to give thanks for, so many things physically to give thanks for. My oldest granddaughter, when she was three, was learning to pray, and she would pray at our dinner table, and her folks would be there, and uh, they'd ask her to give the blessing, and she would say, thank you, Lord, for the trees. Thank you for the birds. Thank you for the sky. Thank you for the, thank you for Grandpa and Grandma. Thank you for, and she would go on and on and on. Her parents, after a while, would get hungry, and they would say, okay, that's enough, that's enough. But I, I would, I would, I'd love to have her go on all day. She just had a thankful spirit. But uh, I enjoy that. I think, I think the Lord did too. So Thanksgiving. Petition. Uh, and what I have done is to, uh, in the morning, just go through the whole day. Lord Sandy said he'd like to go through the whole day from beginning to end. And then at the end of the day, he would do that backwards. Thank the Lord for time at supper. The time is his afternoon, uh, his, his noon, then in the, and then in the morning go backwards to thank the Lord and to commit that to the Lord. But I think in addition to that, there's an opportunity that we have of just communicating with the Lord during the day. Uh, like Reptevia did, you know, he complained about his milk cow and uh, the fact that he was not a wealthy man. Wherever he was going, he was talking to the Lord. I think the Lord is uh, delighted when we do that, carry on a communication with him. It doesn't need to be verbal, but it needs to be an attitude of trust, of communion. Thanking him for the little things that we run across today, for each conversation, for each meal, for everything we experience, for everything, every problem we have. Uh, when Stuart and Joe Briscoe were trying to educate their children about prayer, they said, well, there's three prayers you can use during the day. There's, there's please prayers, there's thank you prayers, there's sorry prayers. So we can, we can use those throughout our day. We need a set pattern of intercession. And uh, intercession, I think, is... Uh, Best described in Ephesians six eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit uh, for for all the needs of all the saints, and I think this is something that God is concerned about that we should pray for one another, that we should bring up the needs of one another, and uh, it's interesting in verse Samuel twelve twenty three, the challenging verse to me that I memorized years ago. It says, "Moreover, as for me, God forbid." that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. So in some sense, if we fail to pray for others around us, uh, we, we are sinning against the Lord because the Lord holds us responsible to hold up one another. So it is a responsibility that we have. 
and I'll go through the rest of these somewhat briefly because they covered prayers that are in Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians. And I'll just mention them that you'd be aware of them. But I think they're very significant prayers to pray for intercession. And I do not have time to pray for all that God wants me to do in intercession every day, but at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, I'll go for a walk in our neighborhood. The Lord will say, it's time for a walk. And I'll go for a walk for about an hour, and I'll remember uh, to pray for all of the people that the Lord wants me to do in intercession. But some of these prayers are Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, that they would know Him better, they would know the hope to which they were called. In Philippians 1, 9 through 11, uh, a very important prayer that Paul has given us, uh, that they would... <coughs> Can't read that, that they would abound in knowledge and depth of insight, discern what is best, that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. There's another one, uh, intercession prayer in Colossians 1, 9 uh, through 14. They would know His will, that they would have a life worthy of the Lord and please Him. So those three, I think, are really fundamental to what God would have us pray for others. Uh, in addition to that, there's a couple of strategic prayers. Uh, the first time I heard Jerry Bridges, it was in 1973, and he spoke in a motel in Emporia. He spoke on strategic prayer, and he likened that to uh, our armed forces. You know, we don't always act defensive with our armed forces, but we sometimes are very strategic in areas that we want to take in a war. We just don't wait for them to sit back and attack us. But our prayers are often the same. They're defensive prayers. Lord, help me out of this jam. Help me to do this. But these are strategic prayers that the Lord has asked for us to do. And they are related to the battle that we have. And Matthew 9, 36-38 is a strategic prayer to pray for laborers. I think God is very interested in how well, how faithfully we have prayed for laborers. So periodically I take time to pray for laborers in different parts of the world, that God would send forth laborers into His harvest field. This is one of the few prayers that the Lord has said, I want you to pray this. So I think He's going to be interested when He returns. Have we been faithful in praying for that? Because that makes a difference in His work in the world. The other prayer that makes a difference in the work in the world is 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. It was 1979, we were at the National Prayer Breakfast. It was Ronald Reagan's, I think, first term, or maybe second, I'm not sure, I believe it was the first. But we heard Dick Halverson, who was the Fourth Presbyterian Church, Washington, D.C., or it might have been Baltimore, I forget where that church is at. But he pointed out that uh, this prayer for those in authority, uh, kings, all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, that this prayer was strategic in terms of allowing nations to have the type of government and instruction that would maximize the number of people that would come to the Lord. I think this is critical and strategic prayer that God would have us uh, do. And then this has been mentioned too in prayer, listening to God. Uh, Mark uh, 9.17, this is on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
where, where the, uh, the father is speaking from the cloud and saying, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And in Luke 24, 32, uh, it talks about the two on their way to Emmaus. And at the end of that time, it says, were not our hearts burning within us while we listened to him on the way? They were not burning within him while they talked and while they were jabbing back and forth. But it was when they heard the Lord speak to them. Uh, and I'll cover 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 in a later message, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit, I think, in enabling us to listen and hear to God. And I think we need to always remember to lift up the hands of one another. This is the passage in uh, Exodus where uh, Moses sent Joshua down to fight the battle, and he found as he lifted up his hands in prayer, the Israelites were winning. When he dropped them, the Amalekites were winning. Uh, so he got tired. So Aaron held up one hand, her hold up the other. And as long as he had someone to hold up his hands, uh, the Israelites were winning. But when his hands fell, the other side was winning. So the question is, uh, so who's holding up your hands? Who's holding up your hands? Whose hands do you hold up? A friend of mine was having some difficult problems at one time, and uh, he struggled with these. And, but I knew about that. Another friend knew about that. Uh, and it was really a difficult time for him. But both of us, while he was gone that weekend, lifted up his hands, and the Lord really restored him. Persistence in prayer, I think, is one of the key things that we need. Uh, Luke 18.1, in the NIV, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a prayer to show them they should always pray and not give up. But I like the King James better. It says, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Uh, because sometimes I get that fainting feeling. I think, oh boy, what am I going to do about this? I just uh, feeling really down. I've just got I'm smothered with problems, difficulties. That's kind of that fainting feeling. We've all experienced it. And I know that that's a call to me that I've not really prayed about it. So men are either, we're either praying or we're fainting. And uh, this is a call from the Lord that we should pray and not faint. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and it shall be open unto you. There we see that that idea of knocking is to knock and keep on knocking. There are some things that we can ask the Lord for and just leave with Him. And I have some of those that I keep asking about those. The Lord says, I'll take care of it, don't worry about it. Uh, the other things I need to knock and keep on knocking. Those relate mainly to the progress of people in their spiritual life, their need to come to know the Lord, and other aspects of their relationship with the Lord. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can come boldly, not arrogantly or presumptuously, but boldly. We have every right to come boldly uh, to obtain mercy which is God not giving us what we have coming to us, and to obtain grace, God giving us that, which we have no right to expect. And He will do that. Uh, one of the things in prayer that I've discovered is the opportunity that we, we have to pray with 
those who have, have gone on above. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For your dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall he also appear with him in glory. So, as I look in Revelation, it says to there to, to seek those things which are above. What is going on above? Well, in Revelation 4 and 5, there's prayer, there's praise, there's proclamation. So around the throne, we have prayer. We have people involved with this eternal, ongoing love relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. My wife and older daughter are there. They're around the throne. They're praising, they're praying, they're proclaiming. And I've found that I can do that with them. So once a week, I go out to where they are, where their bodies are, cemetery, and I stand there and I, I praise the Lord. I pray with them. Now, it says in Ephesians that I am seated in the heavenly places in Christ. We all are. We're seated in the heavenly places. So we have a front row seat to all that's going on with all that praise and prayer. But this is the work of eternity. What we're developing, this ongoing love relationship, eternal relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is our work of eternity. So we need to get used to that. We need to develop that and have a hunger for that. So let me close in prayer for us today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to pray. Thank you for your grace in our lives, which has drawn us to you. Ask you to continue your work in our lives to develop prayer and praise and worship in a way that brings glory to you. Let's pray in your name. Amen. Have you thought about that before? I don't think I have. That around the throne of God, there is prayer, there is praise, and there is proclamation. Revelation chapters 4 and 5. Right now, we are seated in the heavenly places. What a thought. What a privilege. Prayer is meant to develop increasing intimacy with our Lord Jesus. Don't forget to check out our website for videos of these messages at kansasnavs.org forward slash media. Well, next time, I hope you'll join us as Dr. Spann shares some key biblical principles about investing in individuals in his messages about man-to-man. Together, we'll learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.